Victory over Japan seems impossibly distant, having occurred now 75 years ago. The mobilization undertaken by the United States to achieve the defeat of Axis powers has been well documented. Most of it, that is. A recent documentary tells the story of the black women who streamed into factories and federal offices in the early 1940s. Earlier, I spoke with its creator, Gregory Cook. During World War II, there were 600,000 African-American women who joined the war effort. We know them more so now as Rosie the Riveters, and most people know the iconic image of a white woman with a bandana on, and she's pumping her bicep, and, and over top it says, we can do it. Well, in total, there were five to eight million American women of all hues who were Rosies. But one of the things that most people don't know about is the fact that there were 600,000 African-American women who also did that. And you have to understand that prior to World War II, more than 80 percent of all black women who were employed in this country were either domestics or sharecroppers. Those were dead-end jobs. If you were a sharecropper, you didn't even get a check. You didn't get paid. And if you were a domestic, you were paid very little. So when the war comes along, African-American women volunteered, and the doors were open for them to get jobs that heretofore had been closed to them. So we had black women who went into factories, who built airplanes, who built ships, who built tanks, made ammunition. But we also had black women like my mother who went into federal service in places like Washington, D.C. My mother first told me about her life, her experience, when I was about four years old, and it made no sense to me. And the story goes like this. When my mother was 18 years old, which was 1943, she rode on her suitcase, on her suitcase from Norfolk, Virginia to Washington, D.C. to get her first job out of high school. She got a job as a clerk typist in the U.S. Patent Office. And she told me that story when I was three or four. She told me that story a couple of times. I think the only reason I remember her story, because I had no context and really didn't had no idea what she was talking about. She never mentioned Rosie's or World War II. She mentioned her job. And I think the only reason I remembered the story is because it had a train in it. And I've had a lifelong love affair with trains. And I think that's why I remember that story to this day. And as time went on, I came to realize that my mother was actually a historic figure. She did not live to see the work I'm doing, but I know that her and a lot of other women contributed to this country winning World War II. And it's about time that they get the recognition that they deserve. And in your filming of these women, their accounts are really interesting. They entered worlds, factories, federal offices, cities that were just in those days legally segregated. There's one mention of a black USO in Philadelphia as distinct and separate from the white USO. And in general, how do they view that experience the juxtaposition of having this opportunity to do meaningful and exciting work in an exciting time, yet facing segregation that was just rampant and pretty much deeply entrenched. Well, you have to remember that was their world, and they knew that segregation meant that they were second-class citizens, but that was their world, and they had no other point of reference. I talked to one woman, and she said that that's the way it was. It was a part of life, and she accepted it. And so everything about America pretty much was segregated. Even in the North, you still had segregation. 
So I'm not sure if it was a great emotional conflict for these women in terms of their patriotism because they were very patriotic people and they knew that segregation was wrong and they knew that they got the short end of the stick. But that is also one of the reasons why they did what they did. They bought war bonds. They had victory gardens. World War II was, in my opinion, the only time in American history that virtually every American had some skin in the game. I mean, whether you were black or or white or brown or whatever you are, you knew somebody or you had someone in your family who in some way or another was involved in World War II. You had 16 million people in the military, so it was hard to find anybody who didn't have any skin in the game. So all Americans overwhelmingly were pulling in the same direction. We just pulled separately. And one of the things that the African-American community used World War II was to continue the fight for civil rights, equality, legal equality in American society. And out of that came this campaign called the Double V, which was started by the African-American newspaper, the Pittsburgh Courier, in January 1942, a month after Pearl Harbor. And the whole idea was the slogan was victory over Nazism and fascism overseas and victory over racism at home. So it was a contradiction, but it did not stand in the way of these women who love their country. It did not stand in the way of them contributing in every possible way. And of course, it changed their immediate lives and the lives for their families. I'd also like to point out that that 600,000 figure, if you would have taken put all 600,000 of those African-American women in one city, based upon the 1940 census, they would have been the 13th most populous city in America. In my opinion, they were the most significant group of black women in the 20th century. They opened doors of opportunity for all subsequent generations of black women. They brought millions of dollars into the black community during World War II that would not have happened. And it also gave them a greater sense of who they were and what they could do, not only as black women, but as women. They were not paid as much, and there was still this income inequity. The only place you did not have that was in the federal government. If you were a GS-2, everybody got the same pay. Just like in the military, if you were a private sergeant, everybody got the same pay. And that did not exist essentially in the private sector. And white women who were rosy still were paid less than the white men who had those jobs. And usually black women, not always, but often black women were actually paid less for the same work that white women were doing although the pay they were getting was still a whole lot of money compared to what they would have been making as a domestic or a sharecropper. Got it. And you spoke to these women for the film in their late 80s and early or even mid-90s in some case. And what do you feel and what did they tell you was the effect of that work so long ago on their subsequent lives? Remember now that World War II was really the thing that really kicked America out of the Great Depression. And so these women were children, teenagers during the Great Depression. And so what it did, it gave them skills. For example, Mrs. Ruth Wilson, who lives in Philadelphia, she's now 98. She helped build an aircraft carrier, the USS Valley Forge, at the Philadelphia Navy Yard. Well, she went to school to be a sheet metal specialist. You know, that's not something women did. And so it gave her a lot of confidence in terms of how it set her up for the rest of her life. 
when Faison became mayor of Camden, New Jersey at the age of 73. She moved from Clinton, North Carolina, I believe, to Camden, New Jersey to work for RCA. It gave her skills. You know, this is a woman who used to pick cotton and strawberries before she walked three miles to school every day and three miles home. And so all of these women got these skills and this level of confidence that really served them well throughout the rest of their lives. And when I look at their lives, these were phenomenal women who did phenomenal things after the war. And it's a testament to their courage, to their resilience. But I think all of them acknowledged that World War II gave them a boost, particularly a financial boost, that they wouldn't have gotten. That's filmmaker and former Drexel University professor Gregory Cook. He'll screen Invisible Warriors, African-American Women in World War II, at the end of the African-American Federal Executives Association annual meeting, September 16th. There's much more to the interview. We'll post it in its entirety, along with a link to a film trailer at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit.